Good morning, girls. Good morning, girls. That's more like it. Good girls. So, welcome back to this wonderful journey through the Book of Romans. Did everyone get a handout? Yes? If you didn't, we need it. Please get that out and please get out your pen. We have much territory to go with this amazing chapter. Chapter 1, please open your Bibles if you have them with you. And um, we will begin by reading verses 1 through 9. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes and give us a hunger to know you more, Lord. That God, as we see uh, these powerful words and Paul's powerful example, God, that it would, we would be like wet cement. And we would want um, all of this to make such a deep impact in our lives, God, that we would be changed, just like Carrie prayed. Transform us, set us free, change our hearts. In Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. So, let's read together. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you underline and circle, uh, please circle key words as you go along. Called is a big one. Called to be an apostle. Separated, again, big word. Two is even a big word, the gospel of God. Which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared, what an announcement that was, declared, declared to be the son of God with power according to the Holy Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Grace, grace, grace. Among whom you also are, what's the word? You're called. You're called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved, he says, beloved of God, and also called to be saints. First, I want to thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. So many things to travel through here. First of all, we look at Paul. We look at Paul and his identity. This is very important to us and very instructional to us. How he introduces himself. He introduces himself as a bond servant. If you've never heard the explanation of this, in, in Jewish law, someone could indenture themselves, make themselves a slave, say they had a high big debt that they just couldn't pay. So they could attach themselves, they would offer themselves to their debt, to the man who they owned to, and said, I'll work it off. But you could never be kept more than six years. At the end of six years, you had a decision to make. Most people would just be set free. But if they had an awesome, amazing master, they'd say, no way. Life here is your slave is better than anything that the world is offering. And they would take their ear 
and put a nail through it and pound it as a symbol. Just, just nail me to the wall of your house. I am yours for life. What a profound thing. I, I, I would venture to say in Rome, that didn't happen very often. And in the Jewish culture, didn't happen very often. And child of God, sometimes in the Christian culture, it doesn't happen very often. He is a profound example to us. But you know what? There's benefits in that. There's consequences of every decision that you will make in your life. And if, if you're dealing with God, there's great benefits. And what would that be? What would that be? A verse like in Romans 8, 28 that we will get to next semester. He, make God, he, he pro- pronounces a promise to you that all things, no matter what it is, good, bad, ugly, mean, whatever, all things, each and everything, is going to work together for you. But he qualifies that statement. That doesn't happen with everybody. Look around. Who is that benefit for? Those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And that's just being aligned. God, God, are you going to work this for good? You can count on it because God is a promise keeper. And we'll look at that when we look at the the prophecies that he has prophesied. This made up his identity, how he faced life, everything about it. And I was just sinking deep into this, sinking deep in this so much, and just thinking about Romans 8, 28. And just, just the last few days, someone just hit me broadside. Ever happen where someone just hurt you? I mean, they just do something that hurts you to the deep. And I was just like, what? How? What? What? Why would that be? Why would they do that? And, and it was just, it was, it was getting me not just resentful, but I could see a, a root of bitterness. And maybe I'm just speaking to one person here. And so I flipped back pages. I was thinking about, about Paul. And I was thinking about, as we know, he encountered shipwrecks. Just two pages back at the end chapter of um, the book of Acts, he encounters this big ordeal as a prisoner, and then he goes to, through storms, and then the ship breaks up, and he drifts to an unknown place on a broken plank, and then they build a little fire like, like oh my goodness, they were just like drowned cats. A- and then a snake jumps out of the fire, and wraps around his head. You know, if I was Paul, I'd be going, really? Really? But you know what he did? Shook it off. I thought that was a really good example. Child of God, you got something bugging you? Shake it off. That's it. If he didn't shake it off, it would have bit him. And he would have been poisoned. And that's the way, that's the way, it's freedom. Being a bond slave to Christ, you will never know freedom. You will never know what God can do with your ordinary little life. Trust me, 
Trust me, he's got plans for you. He's got a calling on your life, as we saw. Ordinary person, got to tell you this story. Um, I was, years ago, we were big Chuck Swindoll fans. Maybe you don't know who he is. He's a great preacher. We lived in Oregon. He was speaking in Portland. Um, We paid more money than we could afford for the tickets. We drove two and a half hours to get there. We we were early. I was sitting in my seat. Chuck Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll. And the announcer announced the first speaker was another guy, Howard Hendricks. And out walks this little guy. He looked like Mr. Magoo. I mean, he, he had this tight little, little suit, and he was almost bald, and he had these thick little glasses. And he opened his mouth, and there were like lightning bolts. Lightning bolts come out of his mouth. And I was taking notes so fast. He said things like, hey, listen, you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. That's now one of my favorite quotes. And he just went on and on and on. I, I, in the next five years, I could quote half of his message. I have no idea what Chuck Swindoll said that night. <laughs> it, it, it's just an example to you. God's speaking to you right now. Don't minimize who you are. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and you have decided... To follow him. You've decided to have that series of yeses. What is this about? It's just a series of yeses. This morning on my knees. I decided that God was saying. I want you to forgive. As you have been forgiven. And, and I had a choice. And what were the choices? You know what they are. Yes or no. Yes or no. And I felt like saying no. Because I wasn't quite done with my pity party. Just saying. Bond servant. Next in this letter, he shifts quickly to Jesus and his identity. And this is so important. Look on your, on your, um, on your sheet. This is about prophecy. Prophecy. He was promised long before in the prophets that he would be, um, the Son of God would come in specific ways. Over and over again, there's 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that prophesies that Jesus would come in specific ways, that he would be born in Nazareth, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would be born of Bethlehem. And so with these 300 prophecies, someone recently took eight of them, eight of them, and said, what are the chances that one person could fulfill all those prophecies. And so they did the math on it, and they gave me a word picture. I do better with word pictures. And here's the word picture. If you covered all of Texas with one foot of silver dollars, and then you painted one red and threw it out in Texas, which is bigger than California, by the way, and then blindfold... Yvonne, and said, I, you have one chance to find it. One chance. Take as long as you want. That's the chances of eight prophecies being fulfilled in one single person. How about 300? God is a promise maker, and a, he's a promise keeper. 
And this is important to us right now. God has made prophecies of the future. Of the future. If you did not hear Rob's message on Sunday, I'm telling you, listen to it twice. Go online and listen to it twice. I made five pages of notes. I could, I could repeat half of his message because he was speaking so powerfully. God has prophecies yet to come. And one of them is in Thessalonians where there will be a moment where our king of kings, our Lord of lords, with a shout will come in the clouds with a shout and the trumpet of God and the dead will rise first. That seems right to me. And then we who are alive, we who are alive will be caught up in the air. That's a future promise. And God's going to keep it. And these days, I'm telling you, these facts and what's going on in our world, we ought to be looking up. We ought to be looking up, and especially on a cloudy day. You better be looking up. And you know what? All of us are experiencing um, a great sadness right now in the world that our, our families won't listen to us. Most of my family is so far from God. I was telling Denise that, that one of them spends more on cat food in a week than she has ever contributed to anything outside of her world. So I've got little, I'm making up rapture kits with scriptures and Bibles and books. I'm putting everybody's name on it. And I'm going to send them a little note. I've got a prize for you. If I ever disappear, (laughs) go in the high shelf in that closet, and there's something for you. And I guarantee they will look. We We need to think about this. Who are you then? Who are you in this equation? Child of God, you're so important. So many Christians view, view the church as this, uh, it, like going to a restaurant. We've got our professionals up here that do their, their um, Christian service thing, and, and we're thankful for it. We go sit in our seat, and then we get up and, you know, leave the dishes to someone else, <laughs> you know, like we do at a restaurant. No, 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 this is home. This is family. Armor up. Suit up. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Maybe that's new news. We are to be on the field. We're going to be speaking in just a minute about the gospel. Jesus said, look up. The fields are white for harvest. Can't you see it? Can't you see it? We need to be part of what God's doing right now. We need that. That is so important. The prophecies, one after one, one after one. Isaiah 9, 6 is a keeper right now. And this is my go-to right now. Because it says, and the government shall be on, what? His shoulders. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. The government shall be on his shoulders. And he will be called Prince of Peace. Mighty God. And that's what we want. Right now, some people have have signs, campaign signs in their yard. I have a sign that says, prayer changes things. Yep. And I say, I'm standing for the unborn. Sometimes it's just 
time to fly your colors so people know where you stand. We need to take a stand. We need to, Jesus called, you know what he called us? He called us the light of the world. And in those days, they didn't flick on a switch, child of God. They didn't flick on a switch. They put oil in a lamp, and they set it on fire. And it gave light wherever it went. That's what we're talking about. I know, I'm a little fired up today. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, calm down, forget about it. Not calming down, not not anywhere soon. And here's my, my rapture, my rapture book. I thought I brought it. It just says, so what now? Don't you want one of these? I only have two, so it's for my family. (laughs) You have to make your own. And we can. We can. Future promises, past promises, all of that is so important. Next thing about, about Paul, he said, I'm called to the gospel. I'm called to the gospel. And what does that imply? That he's separated from. He's separated from anything that is not of God. And we need to be separating. This is the time to separating, becoming less attached to the world. We need to make some steps on that. We have disconnected cable TV, that nonsense. You can do all you want, but not in my house. That's a statement. Netflix, we parted ways. We have. First three months of of COVID, we watched everything that was decent. But you know what? Have you noticed the darkness? They're just packing these sites with darkness. But there's a great movie that's come out. It's called The Power of the Air. And a pastor stands up at a podium, one of the first scenes in the movie, a pastor stands up at the podium, he's from Africa, and he gives a statistic. He said, 150,000 people die every day. Who knew? And he said, most people die without the gospel. And so he, he just flat out said, and so what are we going to do, children of God? We need to clean house. We need. You know, he said, what if everyone who went to church in this country decided not to watch a hideous, dark, um, spitting in God's face movie? Somebody said, yeah. Going to do that? Yep. Well, how about that vulgar language and, and the sports programs that are their halftime that you wish that um, your kids weren't in the room. But sometimes they are in the room. They pick up your phone. They see what you've watched on Netflix. I'm just saying, it's time to clean house. It's so good to clean. Don't you love a clean house? I do. It's hard to get there sometimes. We need to send some messages to Hollywood. We're not buying what you're selling separated from so we can be separated to gospel that's that's that was his his statement there and then this profound statement that Jesus is risen from the dead risen from the dead and you know the women in Luke when they went to the empty tomb they uh, were quite surprised that Jesus wasn't there 
quite surprised. They had seen him be brutally beaten. And, you know, the angels were standing there, and you know what they said? Why are you looking for the dead among the living? Or no, looking for the living among the dead. I knew, I knew it. I was just just checking to see if you guys could catch that. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Do you think your Savior's dead? He's not. He's not far away. He is so there. It's him that talked me off the cliff about that little bitterness thing that I was supposed to forgive. It's him. It was his living voice. And that's the power of being in God's word. Is his voice is so clear, so, so sweet, so loving, so firm to you sometimes. Why would he make me give up that bitterness? Why? Because he loves you. It's our living Jesus. Be aware that he's there for you. Lean into him. I have this wonderful little story um, about Billy Graham. It's one of my favorites. Um, These pages, I found it in my notes, and the pages are all yellowed. But um, I thought I'd read it to you. In 2003, Billy Graham gave uh, one of his very, very last crusades here in San Diego. And it was interesting. It was in the, um, he was in his 80s, and he wasn't feeling very well. The attendance that night was the highest that San Diego County had ever had for any event ever. Thank you. Wow. So, 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 I mean, that scares me to death, going in front of those people. It was just crazy. One of the pastors, we know one of the pastors that was backstage, and, and he looked at Billy, and he said, um, how are you doing, Billy? This is what he said. I feel terribly weak and fearfully inadequate. Who would say amen to that? One? Terribly weak and fearfully inadequate. Billy Graham? Billy Graham? Well, well, what are you going to do? Our friend asked. Billy just smiled. He said, I'm just going to lean into my weakness and see what God can do. My daughter took my granddaughter there, and I'm so glad because it was one of the very last. And she could not wait to tell me. She said, Grammy. People just kept coming. They never stopped coming. They were coming and coming. And her little eyes were so big. And what, 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 what's the message here? Do you think that Paul was some superhuman? He was more like a little Mr. Magoo. I mean, I don't think he was very tall. He'd been beaten a bunch of times. I think he had an eye that was maybe crooked. You know, he was no specimen of beauty. He was as ordinary as dirt, just like us. But what's the secret of Paul and Billy Graham? God had all of them, so they had all of God. That's an equation that you can take to the bank. Absolutely, absolutely. So how dearly I would like to (laughs) go through the rest of my 500 pages here. One more story about the bond servant because I think that's just the big shout of this whole. James Calvert went out as a missionary to the cannibals of the Fiji Islands. The ship captain tried to turn them back. You'll die, he said. 
Those with you will die if you go among those savages. Sometimes we think the people that we work with or in our neighborhood (laughs) will die if we share the gospel with them. You'll die if you go among those savages. To that, Calvert replied, we died before we came. So what is this? We're going to talk about the gospel, and I know there's so many important things to talk about in this chapter, but the gospel is so important and so urgent right now, and we need to have faith in it. The last verse in this in this chapter section is, the just shall live by faith. We need to have faith in the gospel, not in ourselves. We are inadequate. We are weak. And so on your handout, it put the God of Wonders documentary, and um, it's a wonderful little DVD um, right here, but you can also find it on YouTube. It's fabulous. It's so fabulous. It just talks about all the amazing things that God did in creation that truthfully, child of God, couldn't be done by evolution. Couldn't. And we need to build up our faith and our children's faith in that fact. Caterpillar to a butterfly. Okay? Be with me. You know it goes into the cocoon, right? You know what happens in the cocoon? It becomes... Liquid. Evolution, please explain that. Put on your thinking cap and explain that. Can't be done. Element after element. Animal after animal. They just go through it. And anybody that watches that movie on YouTube this week, next week I will have one of these free for you and you can give it to somebody else who wants to say hallelujah. Who's going to do it? These are keepers. I just bought, I bought, in the last three months, I bought a thousand of these. A thousand. I'm a maniac now. (laughs) And you know what? I give them out on planes. I give them out to, to taxi drivers. I give them out everywhere. And you know what? People almost cry when they get them. So let's talk about, in our last few minutes, about sharing the gospel. Um, my little granddaughter and I were walking down the street in, a, in a, a tourist area. And before we went, um, I, I, I always put Gospel of John in my pocket or my purse. And we were walking along, and I said, oh, baby, I'm packing. <laughs> and she... Looked down at her little pocket. She said, Grammy, packing too. <laughs> That's right. And so we walked down the street, and there's a little group of teenagers, and they were just hanging out like, like they had nowhere to go and crazy dress and hairs and all that. And uh, so we just walked up to him, and I said, uh, excuse me, excuse me. I just wanted to tell you that God loves you so much. And you can know him. And he's amazing. And um, we just want to give this to you. And it tells you the story of Jesus. And maybe you've never read the story of Jesus. And um, they said politely, thank you. And then my granddaughter and I walked along. And and we turned around. And one of them was standing up. And there was about four sitting on the curb. And he was reading it to them. Don't you? Isn't there anyone right now that you know that's hurting? Wondering if there's answers. 
wondering if there's a God who loves them. Isn't there anybody that you know? You know what? You've got the secret to life. What are we? We have the bread of life, and we're just one beggar telling the other beggars where to get bread. Isn't that the call of our life right now? So one more thing. I have two more things. (laughs) I have, this is a a very important um, CD. It's an audio message of how to share your faith. He's my hero, Bill Fay. And this is how, what I often do. If I'm sitting in doctor's office, on a plane, just somewhere, I'll chat. Oh, so where are you going today? What are you doing? Where are you from? So, that fourth question. So, do you have any spiritual beliefs? I've asked that question hundreds of times, and not once has anybody said, it's none of your business. Pretty soon they're telling me about their grandma or, you know, something going on. And um, so he just goes through that. So if you will listen to it, please do take one and listen to it this week or the next week. And when you're done, bring it back and we'll recycle it. Okay? They're there free. For spiritual law, last thing. Um, Some of you have heard of this. I use this all the time. I bought 500 of them for my birthday two years ago. I haven't used them up, so I'm going to share them with you. Um, So, four spiritual laws. Uh, This is how I use that. So, I'd like to give this to you. Excuse me. I feel like God put it on my heart to give this to you. It's such a good, good, it just is such a great thing. Um, And uh, I say, okay. Do you see that there's four spiritual laws? I say there's four spiritual laws like, like the same as math. There's laws of math. Two plus two is four. Okay. So what do you think number one is? <clears throat> and they'll guess like we're sinners or we got to work our way to heaven. And I have them read it. And it says God loves you. That's number one and has a wonderful plan for your life. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're the good, good father who loves us with the everlasting love. God, you want to use us with the light of the world. I pray, Lord, that this week we'll shine. We'll shine. We'll lean into our weakness. We'll be bold. We'll pray for divine appointments. And God will see what you can do with just an ordinary person like us. And we pray in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, Debbie. So, so good. Okay, real quick, stand up. We're going to do a quick stretch before we go into the response time. Turn to someone around you, say hello, and tell them God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Okay, okay, have a seat. Okay, pull out your study, pull out a, a pen. And those of you gals that are on Zoom or virtual, if you haven't disconnected with us, this is your time to go in your group. Goodbye. We love you. Have a great day. Okay. Debbie, you just, yeah, she's on fire. She kind of fires everybody up, doesn't she? So we're going to, we have about a half an hour. And remember, we told you that we were going to have these response times and it was going to involve engaging you and me and everybody. So I'm super excited that... um, Debbie talked on Paul's identity, so important, 
so, so important. And um, what we're going to ask you to do is we're going to give you a couple minutes, and we're going to ask you to make your own little identity statement. Okay, this isn't an exhaustive thing of your life. You know, she, we, in this letter, we got like three or four bullet points. He's a bond servant. He's an apostle, separated to the gospel. Um, so we're going to give you a little bit of time, and I'm going to give, I'm going to do mine, so you can have a sample. Um, but, and then we're going to ask some of you to share. So I'm giving you a heads up on that. So I'm praying already for boldness and courage for all, all for all of you. But it's so important that we know who we are. Not in pride and not in arrogance, but in the confidence of who God has called us to be. Because then you know what? Then you can in boldness go and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And that was that, that's a little in those first opening verses. That's that little path that Paul showed us. So what I want you to do is This is what I'm going to do, but where I say my name, you're going to do your name. I, Yvonne, by true faith in the gospel, am a daughter of the King, of the Most High God. I am a friend of Jesus, and I am called and equipped by the Holy Spirit to serve with joy my husband, my children, and the beautiful women of Calvary Vista. Okay, so again, it's not an exhaustive statement of who I am in Christ. It's two or three little bullet points. And just saying that, I'm like getting choked up, and it's not anything I've done. What was the word Debbie started with? Grace. Grace, grace, grace. So take a few moments, have a, 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 a pen, paper, write it on your study, whatever. Two little, three, four bullet points of your statement, your identity statement, and then we're going to have you gals share. Okay, go. Okay, so we have these microphones up here in the front, and we're just, if come, come up on this side or that side. You're just going to say your name. This is a great way for us to get to kind of get to know each other, too. This is a great way for us to do that. What we talked about last week, mutually encourage each other's faith. Um, you're really making a testament of God's affirmation of you. So um, bring your note, bring your book, whatever. You can read it, whatever. And um, you, don't, these are, you don't have to touch the microphones. You can be safe. And um, let's encourage each other. Let's see who God has made us to be. So just come up, line up on this side, line up on this side. And yeah, come on, Becky, go first. I am Rebecca. And by true faith, I know I am beautiful. I am the daughter of the one true king. I am forgiven, and I am loved. And you guys know what the real love of a father is and how much God loves you. It is something so beautiful to know his love. And you are just left without words to see and understand how beautiful God is and to know his love just makes you want to share it and shout on the mountains how beautiful God is because he loves each and every one of us. Thank you. God bless you guys. I'm Leilani and I am a servant and worshiper of the Most High. He has called me to train and disciple for his glory 
He has anointed me to lead the church in worship and speak life into those around me. I, Jeanette, by true faith in the gospel, am a child of God, created in him to be his image to the world, filled with grace and truth, and saved by the cross of Christ to live for him, Jesus, my friend. Come on, ladies. This is it. This is, this is part of the body of Christ. Get to strengthen and encourage one another. Get to say by these statements. These are beautiful. And you know what? Your statement might be, I'm a work in progress, and that's a beautiful statement too. But we get to say what God is doing by the power of the gospel. I, Nicole, completely inadequate and lost without Christ, am called out of darkness into marvelous light to share the good news of hope and grace with the lost, my kids, my husband, and myself daily. Hi, I'm Teresa. I am a daughter of God through Jesus Christ and by his blood and resurrection. I am loved by him with an unconditional love. I have a home in heaven. All things needed that lead to life and godliness are mine. I am blessed because of my precious Jesus. Hello, I am Debbie. I am a servant of Jesus Christ, and he's called me to go out boldly and spread the word of his love. And um, I did a baby step this week and did it. And uh, it was all him because it's certainly not me, but um, I'm very thankful and I'm glad to be a servant. Thank you. Hi, my name is Shannon. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm made for his glory. I'm reserved a place in heaven because of what he's done, not because of what I've done. I'm his. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm a princess. And if I'm a princess, then I'm an heir to the throne. And everything that he has is for us to behold and to take ownership of. Beautiful. Thank you, ladies, for sharing that. For just, it's just such a testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness. And I want to encourage those of you who didn't share for whatever reason, you, you still have an identity statement. You still have something to share with others. So um, that's good. Thank you. We're done. Um, okay, so we have just a few minutes. And I do want to just look at one question in the study because we, we know you've spent your time in there. So if, you'll, if, you pull it, if you have your study and you're on um, uh, page six, and this is going to just be a continuation of what we've been doing. Because we know who we are, like Debbie said, because our faith is shored up and we know who we are and we know what we believe, we, we can go out and bring the truth of the gospel into the lives of others so they can have a new identity statement. Old things passed away, all things made new. 
So when we did our study this week, and it, it was in that section about talking about um, um, after the memory verse. Does it, did anyone memorize the memory verse? I know, I'm, this is real. This, this is bold. Come on. Did someone memorize it? Would come up and say it? Debbie? She raised her hand, so I'm like, come on. <laughs> yes. I'll go with the short one. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it's the power of God to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. Amen. Okay, so in your study, on page six, towards the bottom, there are two questions under number five, five B and five C. When are you most eager to share the gospel? When are you most likely to be unsure or reluctant to share the gospel? And I think that all of us, if we're honest, we find ourselves in either one of those camps at any time. So come up and share what you wrote, what you studied. When are you most eager to do it? And and when is it hard? Or when are you reluctant? And maybe how do you deal with that? So um, we just have a few minutes left. Got to get a few gals to come up and share. Come on, Shelly. I see the movement. I'm like the eagle up here. If I see the movement, come on. <laughs> okay. Um, when I'm in the Word more, um, I'm definitely um, more eager to share the gospel. But also when I think about really what God has done for me in my life, um, then it just makes me want to tell others more about what he can do for them. And then when I'm unsure or reluctant is really when I just kind of get busy and focused on day-to-day activities and just kind of go about my life and I'm not really thinking about other people. You know, I'm just thinking about, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. And then I don't do, I don't share. Great points, great points. The Lord doesn't really put on us all the work, you know. He says, come to me and let me fill you up and give you the gifts that you need and the boldness and the courage. Um, but he does ask us to come to him. And that's what Shelley's saying. Come, put, hear his voice, let him speak to you, ask his spirit to fill you, and then see what he'll, he'll do with that. And I think we all can relate to the whole busyness thing, just getting so distracted. Let's lay aside our weights and distractions. Okay, someone else. Yeah, come, come, just line up again, just like we did last time. situation. And first off, um, the times that I'm least likely, even in this case, is when I feel that I'm going to be critiqued by others. And I had my husband, who's my greatest critic, there. And um, anyways, it was a situation where this person um, would not leave an area that we were, we were on a porch at a friend's house. She's a, has storage units. Well, one of her clients kept coming up to the porch and he kept saying he needed mercy he kept saying he wanted mercy and my husband tried talking to him a little bit about because we wanted him to go home and anyways um the manager had told me a little bit of his background I mean his mom had passed away and so this guy wasn't a homeless guy but um and then my husband's going oh he's possessed he goes did you see his eyes and I'm going 
And I'm just thinking, I just, my heart went out for this guy. And um, after several attempts by those other people to get the guy to leave, of which he did not leave, he just kept saying he needed mercy. Well, the Lord was talking to me while I was sitting there in my chair. And I'm going, oh gosh, I can't do this. Not in front of these other people and stuff. They'll just run me into the ground and critique me and say, hey, who are you? And blah, blah, blah. But I just was really going, my heart was out for this guy. So I stood up and I talked to him. And I asked him, I go, first off, I asked him if he was on drugs. And he said, no. I said, do you need money? He said, no. And I didn't think he did because my understanding was he got his mom's house or whatever. And then I asked him, I says, do you know Jesus? And he goes, yes, I do. And I go, good. This was all from the Lord, because I told the Lord when I was sitting there, I'm going, I'll stand up, but you got to do the rest, because there's no way. I don't even know what to say. One thing that kept going through my head was that I wanted to, I mean, I was relying on the Lord, because I was thinking, I, I need to reach out. I need to reach out, because I, I mean, to the Lord, or other people, or resources. I needed resources, because I didn't feel I had what I could do for the man. And I said, I cannot give you mercy. It's not up to me to give you mercy, but the Lord can. Jesus can. He will help you. And I just talked to him for a few minutes. And sure enough, afterwards, he got in his car and he left. But it was like, I felt for the guy because he kept saying everybody kept giving him the bums rush. I think he was, I don't think he was on drugs. We all talked about, we think maybe he had been, had a, was supposed to take medicine and he wasn't taking it. Because, you know, when his mom had passed, he might have been the only child or whatever. And he did mention something about his dad had died a long time ago in a helicopter accident over Bolivia. So there was that. And, and I just felt that his true situation was he was just really lonely. Because he kept saying everybody was giving him the bum's rush. And that, you know, like nobody would stop and talk to him. Everybody just get out of here, you know. And that's what the other people were doing. Just get out of here. I mean, we all were scared. Because we didn't know, he kept raising his hands up in the air, and then my, everybody was getting kind of freaked out. I was freaked out, as you can probably hear my voice. I'm still freaked out. But it was like, I couldn't believe that he left after I talked to him. It's not like I told him anything. But I just said, you know, gave him some ideas of where to go, like to Brother Benno's or something, where they could maybe help get him. He didn't even need food. He didn't need money. He said he didn't need money or food or nothing. He just, I think he just wanted somebody to talk to. And... Because he was probably not on his medicine, everybody was afraid. Mm-hmm. So um, I just pray that I'm sure, I know the Lord took it from there and got him <laughs> yes. to where he needed to go, but it was scary. <laughs> Thank you all. And I so think... don't be afraid. If I could do it, anybody could do it, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a great point, Debbie. Sometimes the first part of the conversation is not us even saying a lot of words. It's listening. So... Um, okay, anybody else? Come on, girls. Or, or when you're fearful, what do, you, what do you do? Or when you get rejected, how do you handle that? I don't like that. I don't like to be rejected or critiqued. Someone said that. Go ahead, Teresa. Well, when I'm most eager to share the gospel, it's times like this, right after I've spent time with the body of Christ because it's everybody that just fills that cup up. And um, when I'm most unlikely or unsure to to share the gospel, um, 
It's usually when I'm stumped by a question when somebody asks me something. And I remember something that I heard Billy Graham say. (laughs) He said, if you don't know the answer, look in your Bible. (laughs) And so um, that always makes me feel better. But being being in the body of Christ, that I think is so important. Of course, God tells us that too. So good. So important. Okay, so honestly, I don't know why I'm going crazy in my heart. Because I really don't think I have anything to share, but apparently the Lord wants me to share something. Because I couldn't even make a mission statement or whatever that was. Um, Because, I don't know, I just am nothing without him. And it's not like a, um, a negative thing. It's just I know I'm nothing without him. And, um, and I'm so glad he's, he shows up. And I'm so glad he speaks. It's so cool. <laughs> and um, I can't even read. And it says, when am I most eager to share the gospel? When you hang out with him, you know? Because he's so good. And it's so amazing on how he always orchestrates everything. He just makes it work. And so, how can you not? Like, a perfect stranger, dude, do you know Jesus? You know, they think I'm wacko, but it's okay. And um, because God's like, maybe he used me to water a seed. I don't know. But, um, and it says, when are you most likely to be unsure or reluctant to share the gospel? Totally when I'm out of fellowship. Um, my home is very interesting. And I desire to be with the Lord all the time. Because he's life. There's life in Christ. And um, so if you are not stirred to share the gospel, who are you hanging out with? Who are your influences? Where are you spending your time? We can be in the Word. Great. You can read your one-year Bible every single day. Be faithful to that. But if you're just reading it, just to, I did it, that's not like being changed. And with this book, Romans, man, let's be changed. Let's be changed. And we will not be reluctant to share the gospel. The more we see him, the more he opens his eyes. You know, like, like we sang today, like we sang today, that we would be filled with his wonder and we would just know him. So, I don't know. See movement, come on. Hi, um, I'm Erin. Um, my family and I, we just moved here probably a month ago. Um, and we have a neighbor that wasn't very kind to us. So, um, when am I most eager to share the gospel when I feel like the Lord shows me someone's hurting or they need to hear from him? And um, when are you most likely to unsure or when are you most likely to be unsure or reluctant to share the gospel? When I'm not in my word, when I'm not fed. Um, just moving here, um, unpacking, finding a church, all of that, I haven't been on top of it. And um, the Lord showed me that through this neighbor because <laughs> my husband and my kids were out and um, 
playing and she was very rude to them. And I told my husband, I'm glad it was you out there and not me. <laughs> because in my flesh, I was upset. And I'm not going to cry over it. Um, and I told myself, I said, you know what, Lord, I just need to pray. Because I felt like I never see her. Um, I never see visitors. And um, the Lord has just shown me in this week of praying um, that I need to do something for her. Whether it be with my kids or myself. Um, so this today is all the Lord. He's empowering me to say, you know, walk over there. Even if she rejects me, which is, I think, you know, what everyone's been sharing, we're so fearful of. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want my kids to be rejected, you know, in a new place. So keep that in prayer for me. Thank you. That's awesome. What's that saying they say sometimes? Share the gospel and sometimes use words. So there's that practical step of, So um, basically, I'm saying a very similar thing to what she just said. Um, so um, I'm most eager when um, I see someone hurting and, um, and needs encouragement. Um, I have a neighbor um, named Patty, and she's been hurting really bad. She has a very stressful job. She does elder care. And so I send her scriptures from Isaiah and Psalms. And um, and then another time when I'm most eager to share is when I'm reminded that it is my purpose and when I'm in the Word of God. Um, and then when I'm unsure or reluctant is when I'm self-absorbed and I don't see people hurting around me and I'm not in the Word. One more. Someone? One? Anybody? Hi, I just want to read my quick statement first. Um, I, Nicole, by the grace and mercy of Jesus, am called and appointed by the mighty Lord and equipped with his power and love to be a vessel to share his love for this lost and dying world. I am a daughter of the one true king. And what I just felt the Lord put on my heart was about sharing the gospel is that a couple studies ago we talked about what our individual gifts are. And for me, it's helped me to not in a prideful way but God's given us all a different gift and using that gift to share the gospel is what I try to come back to it's not exactly sometimes to share the gospel exactly on that day but um, like my gift is discernment and seeing that someone's hurting and giving them a word in due season is what my calling is but I do want to get to the point where I am sharing the actual gospel but I think relaxing and recognizing your gift is very important. And if you're not, then you're not using it. And, um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you all. So good. So blessed. So sweet. So sweet morning. Debbie, thank you for such a good, strong word. Carrie and Leah, thank you for beautiful worship. Thank you for sharing. And, again, this is kind of gives you that rhythm of some of the things that we're going to do during the response time. So um, just be praying and just even if you're saying, this is, that's not my thing, I don't stand up and talk in front of people, then ask the Lord to, to give you courage and boldness. If you've got something to say that can bless and encourage the saints, then he can give you the boldness for it. Amen? Okay, let's close out the morning in prayer and we'll send you off to get your little peoples if you have them here. And again, try to 
hit We Pray San Diego, either in person or in the, in the time frame in that morning. And um, if you are new and didn't get registered, we'll meet you in the lobby and we'll get that taken care of. But we love you all, and um, we're excited to see what God is going to do in this time in our country. And I love the song Carrie sang at the beginning, Come Get Your Glory. Isn't that, isn't that, you know, we think all these ten things should happen in our country in the next whatever, but really, as believers, we should be, Lord, come get your glory. Come get your glory. So, that's our prayer. We start with that, Lord, singing that with a heart of worship to you. And we close in prayer with that, that same posture in our heart of saying, you are the most high God, high and lifted up, seated on your throne. You have not yielded any of your authority or glory in the affairs of man on this planet. And God, may we keep looking up, like Debbie said, May we continue to find our faith and our confidence and our strength and our identity in you and you alone. I pray over these women, Lord, that you would take them to the rest of this day and into the week before them. Keep them safe, guard their hearts, guard their minds, guard their ears, their spiritual ears from the voices and the opinions and all the stuff that's out there, Lord. Draw them to your word, draw them to your spirit. Lord, fill us so much more than we even think we could be filled, exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. Lord, that we might truly be ambassadors for you in the light of the world, in the darkness that seems to be encroaching. But may we know that we know that we know that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.